Hello again, and welcome to Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Occhigrosso. I am the managing partner for Franchise Growth Solutions. We are a premier franchise development and franchise sales organization here in the great United States of America. I'm also the publisher of FranchiseMoneyMaker.com. That's an online magazine for entrepreneurs, franchisors, and franchisees. And for those of you joining us for the very first time on Mastermind Minutes, it's a very simple concept. We have one topic, one guest, and one discussion, one, one answer, if you will. Uh, we go about 15, 20 minutes, so we do it in minutes and not hours. And certainly, while we realize that may not be enough time to cover a topic, we will always give you contact information of the individual or the company that the individual is uh, involved with so that you can reach out if you have additional questions. And today, my guest is Andrew Robbins. He is the CEO of Patronics Systems. Uh, Andrew is a product visionary and team leader. He spent the last 20 years at the company in various leadership roles and transforming the restaurant customer experience, which is what we'll be talking about today. Uh, formerly trained engineer, Andrew is bullish on design and innovation as a means of business success. Uh, he graduated from Princeton University with a Bachelor of Science in uh, mechanical and aerospace engineering and received a master's in mechanical engineering from MIT and a master's in business from Harvard University. So, um, Andrew, thank you very, very much for being with us today. Um, before I ask you to kind of fill in the blanks on your background and tell us a little bit more about Patronics, I just want to say someone with your background, I think, should be building rocket ships and and maybe not be so involved in the restaurant business. <laughs> so what's, that, what's that bridge? Yeah, so I, I guess I did. I, I, uh, I built jet engines for fighter planes for about uh, eight years. Wow. So that, that's my background. And then uh, um, I guess I got a PhD in the restaurant industry uh, from, from uh, starting Patronics. Wow. 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 That's, that's tremendous. So, so tell us a little bit about Patronics before we get into our question here. Uh, fantastic. So um, we, we um, connect guests or customers to brands they crave. So that's what we wake up every morning going, where's the customer? How can we make their experiences better so that we can connect them to the, to the restaurant and um, outside the four walls, inside the four walls, and how can we enhance um, human to human contact? And if um, you look at what we do, it's customer experience management. If you use the Starbucks app or the Dunkin' Donuts app, uh, we provide all that in, in, in one platform. So mobile phone app, gift cards that you can recharge, you can uh, give to a friend digitally, loyalty programs with stars and tiers and um, challenges to have you come in uh, more frequently. So that entire set of things uh, backed by uh, deep, deep artificial intelligence to help uh, make the experiences better. That's that's unbelievable. Um, I mean, we all use this stuff, but it, well, maybe we don't all use it. I use it, um, but it's always it always amazes me. Someone who's not very tech savvy, um, you know, what goes into this. So I guess, and that's a great lead into to the question because my opening question here is, you know, how is technology just overall shaping the restaurant industry? Because you know, for someone like me or you, you know, ten years ago. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, no, none of this really mattered. Uh, and now it seems that it, it matters completely if you want to be in the restaurant business. How is the technology shaping the business? 
Yeah, and and the big area that's shaping the business is the um, experience with the guest, the consumer. Um, that's been the big change, and one of the drivers has been um, has been uh, the third party marketplaces, the DoorDash and and the Grubhub. And if you think about that with other industries, it was really kind of um, the internet taking over industry after industry. And so that was going to be restaurant 2.0 was going to be, uh, it was DoorDash, it was Grubhub. And, and I think the adoption of tech was very much in reaction to that, where people were trying to protect themselves. Um, some people started with, hey, I can get a few customers on DoorDash. And then it went to, wait a second, this is costing me too much money to, well, how do I create the experiences where they want uh, me or the, I want to go direct. I want to go direct to um, Panera Bread, direct to each one of the brands. Right. And you see McDonald's. One example would be McDonald's. So when McDonald's embraced their digital strategy, they were pushing Uber. If you went way back, they were pushing a download of, of um, really an Uber app for an Uber experience mm -hmm. to pick up the food. And they really shifted that to Mick delivery. Then they added on um, loyalty. And then they, with their mobile phone app, make it so easy to order and, and um, go to the drive-through or curbside or pick up um, and, and um, really have created a very, very nice um, both uh, digital and in-person experience through the tech. So, so you know, I, the, I guess the drivers, um, and uh, you would know best, is a lot of this or was a lot of this pushed? Um, as, when I say pushed, I don't mean pushed upon people. I mean, just kind of pushed forward as a result of the pandemic. Um, because I, I personally know a lot of folks and some of my clients who didn't embrace technology prior to the pandemic, you know, to them, it was now that, you know, we're not doing that. And, and then all of a sudden they realized this is their way to survive. So I'm curious if, you know, there's two forces here. One, were we all propelled five years into the future, even though the, the technology existed, but five years into the future due to the pandemic and you know, the greater buying power now being younger people, not people my age, I'm a, I'm a boomer, um, you know, people being in the Gen X and the millennial who they, this is an expectation. What, what are the drivers there? What, what's causing this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think you hit on a number of things. One is survival. Um, and, and so, and there are always too many in restaurants, right? They're, they're in this industry. There are too many restaurants for mouths that need to be fed. The, the sweet greens and Shake Shack start growing like mad, Dutch Bros and Zaxby's, and they're growing faster than demand. And so some of uh, the, the older mom and pop brands um, have to die. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, um, there was such a shock to the system in terms of the number of meals people wanted that you that it was survival. Just like you said, like, how can I keep the lights on? How can I keep the kitchens running? Um, and so people adopted technology at just a, a, um, a breakneck pace. And it, we think we saw, like, like you said, five years worth of technology get adopted in, in about three months. I mean, it was that crazy a rate of change. 
Yeah, and again, I and and certainly younger people embraced it. Um, I, I know, I know, I did, but you know, I I'm I'm not a good judge because I'm in the restaurant business and I'm in the franchise, yeah. business, so I'm not John Q. Public, um, so to speak. I, I you know, oh, let me give you a stat on young people, okay? And and this is a long term stat, okay? Yeah. Um, in for millennials, um the percentage of seniors in high school that had a driver's license for millennials was 83%. So like, I think if I went back to my high school, it was probably 93%, right? Like, I don't know what you, but, um, if you can think back to your friends and um, when they graduated, the current high school class, um, the percentage that have driver's license licenses in the United States is 73%. Mm -hmm. I think we've gone from 93 to 83 to 73 in sort of this uh, across yeah. three generations there. And, and that's a slow, that's a pretty slow trend, right? But like when you think of picking up on the backside of that um, with COVID, you'll all of a sudden find a whole bunch of young people want to do digital ordering and they might want it delivered because they don't drive. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I, I agree with you. I mean, my, my daughter, did she, yeah, she had her license in, uh, she's a millennial. She had her license in, uh, in as a senior, but certainly when I was in high school, I mean, all of my friends, guys like they couldn't wait like 16 they were getting driver's ed they were getting whatever no one could afford a car or gas or a place to park it you know i grew up in the city so but it didn't matter you still had to go and you still had to get you still had to get your license well i think you know from a, a um you know the there's there's this um move to convenience there's you know there's there's expendable income is very different today in terms of how people view what they want to spend money on. I mean, again, I go, my generation was you, you buy things. Okay. Yep. When I speak with my daughter, who's 33 or be 33, um, she spends money buying experiences, whether that's food or going, mm -hmm. I don't know, going on an eco vacation or so, so, something like that. So it's a very different mindset in, in, in what people expect, which, which kind of takes me to, to, to the thought about with all the technology, What's what's the right balance between, you know, in-person experiences, um, you know, all this tech? Like, I know when I walk into, you used Panera Bread, for example, okay? So when I walk into Panera Bread, and listen, Panera Bread is not a five-star dining experience, but it's certainly a, a, a more upscale, fast, casual concept. When I walk in there, it's not just about the food. Um, there's an aroma of the coffee, the baking bread, uh, the seats are nice and cushioned. There's a lot of wood. There's nice lighting. It's it's an experience. If I'm just ordering on an app and somebody's showing up on my door with a bag of food, kind of missing out on that. So what's what's the right balance there? Yeah, and, and, and the right balance matters for every brand. And I think there's a question how far you can stretch um, the offering we think of, um, really the goal is expectation plus. So for your occasion, and you, you said Panera is not a Michelin starred, uh, restaurant, but you didn't have that expectation, right? So you had an expectation of a sandwich bakery kind of place. 
and they're just a little bit better um, than, than what they need to do for that. And I think, you know, M McDonald's is hitting on expectation plus for a drive-through. They're hitting the time, but they're improving the experience and the order accuracy. So, um, you know, how far can you go? I, there's a, a sushi place down the street. They have little robots running around. And you, you know, you can hit a call button and a robot runs up to your wheels up to your table and you can order from a screen and it brings you things and things like that. Um, if you get into trouble, you can talk to a human. They're, they're making all tech um, a novelty and part of the experience. And people may actually pick that place because of that novelty. Mm -hmm. um, I think if Panera put robots in tomorrow um, and try to push everybody toward that, it wouldn't go well because they they would miss on your expectations. Yeah. Um, you, you, you probably, do you use the kiosks that they have? That's, uh, that's I, near I always use the kiosk. I, uh, from the very first minute, I saw one at LaGuardia Airport and I started using them. And then I, I saw them in Panera and I thought, this is brilliant. Love it. I always use that. Yeah. And for you, it's like, um, it's like a, a shorter line, right? Like I'll go to the shorter line and I'll do it myself. Right. And so that's an example of, of, of tech that, that um, can sit side by side and to some extent can help enhance a human interaction because they do have people that can help you. Yep. Um, and, and they're more explaining, you know, what is there, what are the best, um, what are the specials rather than focusing on keying in and, you know, was that hold the, um, the onions or, or something like that, which yep. is less important. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but generally I think the thing to think about is, um, is, is there is, um, what, what I see is that um, this internet 2.0 or restaurant 2.0 that hit was trying to, was really attacking the guest and the guest needs. So, and delivery was a big piece of it, but even now coming out of COVID, we're seeing uh, an increase of digital ordering, but it's really about pickup. So people wanna control the experience and it's a little cheaper to do it that way. Um, so, the adoption is to make sure you're thinking about where are people, what are their expectations, can they go more digital, and how to enance human human to human interactions when you can. Mm -hmm. um, because if you go to a Panera and you and you are interested in um, in talking to someone, if we can share, um, you know, um, what your uh, favorite items are to help with a you pick too. Um, so this, this new soup would go well with one of these sandwiches you've liked in the past that helps you're going to enjoy that better. Right. Yeah. And, and that's an expectations plus where you're more likely to go back. Yeah. And I agree. And that's certainly more interactive in a positive way. Um, as opposed to just, Hey, you know, what size coffee do you want? Sort of, sort of thing. Um, so what, you know, what do you think, if you had to say one or two things that restaurant tours should be looking at from a technology point of view that they should implement to sort of get up to speed or stay up to speed, what would you say those one or two things are and, and how would Patronix kind of connect to that? Yeah. So I'd, I'd always look to the leaders um, and of Starbucks, 
um, and um, Panera and Dunkin' Donuts. And I would try to um, move along their playbook because I think they've really done a good job and they're very th thoughtful about what they do and they're kind of on third generation systems. So use them as the, you know, where should I head in, ter in terms of um, improving these digital relationships um, with the guest. So I think that's the kind of the first one and, and look at when they're making changes. So mm -hmm. when Starbucks redoes their loyalty program, usually if you really read between the lines, they've noticed something big and, and they're trying to capitalize on that in the future. Mm -hmm. So that would be the, the big thing. And, and then I, um, this tech is, um, it's affordable, it's approachable and it's manageable. So you can buy and get that those types of experiences, the, um, uh, the a Starbucks app, loyalty program um, challenges, the gamification, buy three frappuccinos between uh, two and five in the afternoon for people that it's going to create extra visits. Um, you can, with electronic gift cards, you can buy all of that stuff and it's affordable and probably even more important with uh, labor shortages, you can maintain and operate the, you can operate those programs and be successful. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's an important piece because a lot of folks that I speak with, we deal, we deal primarily in startup franchisors and emerging brands. And, um, you know, when I grab my phone and I show one of my clients, oh, you got to see the Chipotle app. You know, they go, oh, well, that's really nice, but I don't have a hundred million dollars to spend on that. And that seems to be the thinking with people who are not aware that this stuff just is not uh, available to small operators. But listening to you, it sounds like it is, and it is affordable. And then obviously, if you, you look at the return, you know, it, it becomes, you know, what I would say is a no brainer because you, you, you're making it back in visits and guest experience. Yeah. Yeah. We, we generally see that we increase uh, people's um, visit and spending for, for on average for consumers, 20 to 30%. So if they're coming um, five times a year, we get a sixth visit um, in the year. If they're visiting, um, you know, every uh, 14 hours, like someone was doing at Panera, we got that person to visit every 13 hours. Uh, so uh, it, it works across all of the frequency spending uh, spectrum to get them in just a little bit more. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, and um, before I ask you for your last thoughts on this, I, I don't have the stats on it, but I know, I know from my credit card bills, when I order online or when I'm on the app, I order more. I don't know why. I'm just, oh, yeah, I'll have that. Oh, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, give me one of those. I definitely spend more money when I'm buying digitally. There's, I, I don't have a stat, but I, but I know it. I just know it. Is there, is there a reason for that? Is there some reason that you guys monitor and say, okay, there's this gene in your head that makes you do that? Yeah. Um, no, I don't. Um, I, I, uh, we, we notice a slight uptick. Um, we, we think some has to do with occasions. So some of it has to do with why are you doing that order? And, and is it because, you know, someone dropped in to see you and, and there are more people in the party? Mm -hmm. um, or if it is it a type of occasion? 
Um, but it, it sure is something that's made uh, easy. And when it's easier to buy, people buy more. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that happens all the time. Yep. Yep. No, I, I, I agree with that. As a matter of fact, sometimes I wonder why some companies make it difficult to buy. It's like they don't want you to buy. So, um, yeah. um, and, and, if you, and if you think about the web uh, and a website, they can switch around what you see based on bestsellers and your preferences, right? When you get a physical menu, think of going through the cheesecake, you know, factories menu and page after page, right? It's a search to find what you're looking for. And you can make the online ordering experience where the things you're going to want to buy pop up quickly. And when that happens, uh, and it's not a struggle to do the search, you're like, yeah, I'll have one of those, right? Because yep. it, it's just another click versus I've got to keep searching and searching. Yeah, I, I agree. It's um, and I've never actually heard it put that way, but it, it it's sort of a real time uh, menu engineering because in obviously, I mean, when digital menus started being used up on, you know, up on the walls, we loved it uh, in the quick service business, especially in the franchise business, because we were able to re-engineer the menu just by moving things around and kind of selling that lower food cost item, you know, put that up front. Uh, that's the number one. Yeah. Um, the fact that you can do that on an app uh, makes all the sense in the world. You can put the best sellers, the most profitable items up there. And um, yeah, that makes absolutely great sense. That that makes great sense. So what what last word could you leave us with about uh, Patronics or about this whole idea of technology in, uh, in the restaurant business? Yeah, I, I think that um, kind of the last thought is that artificial intelligence is something uh, that you can look to to solve specific problems. And so there's the whole notion of robots, which is you know um, a type of artificial intelligence, but there are also little things like reordering your online ordering website, which we do, so that from um, if someone's an unknown and never been to your website, you can focus on the, the big sellers. But when you come back your second and third time, we know who you are, we can change what it looks like to make it easier for you to order and order more accurately. So, you know, we, we have someone who doesn't like mayo, right? The biggest kindness we can do is to remind him on an order to remove the mayo. Um, and, 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 and not disappointing people is a key to that kind of expectations plus. Um, and we're targeting artificial intelligence to very specific problems um, to help do that. And, it, and it's super successful. Well, it certainly connects the individual experience with the specific guest. So um, I think that that matters. Um, Andrew, if someone wants to contact Patronix, learn more about your company and what you might be able to do for them if they're a restaurateur or otherwise, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, you can always start on the web, uh, patronix.com, P-A-Y-T-R-O-N-I-X.com. And, um, and you probably could also talk to your POS uh, dealer or someone else because we have tons of partnerships uh, around the country and the world where people can uh, connect you to us. Great, great. And of course, for those of you familiar with the program, we will always post the website uh, in the bio uh, of the podcast and the webcast. Well, Andrew, 
I can't thank you enough. It's a, uh, it's a fascinating topic to me as I see this industry constantly change uh, and innovate, uh, not just for survival, but uh, for you know, the ability to grow and thrive and, uh, and be out there. So thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. Gary, thanks for having me. Thank you.